Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person whose heart soars every time I see a butterfly. I love butterflies. I love watching them. I love bees. Um, and I'm very excited about today's show. Uh, you know, most of the listeners to this show know that there's a tremendous loss of biodiversity on the planet. And it is really heart-wrenching to know this, right? So um, to put it in perspective, since the formation of Earth, in other words, a very long time, uh, there have been five mass extinction events in the history of the planet. Uh, the most recent one was 66 million years ago. In recent decades, scientists have found reason to think that we might be in the midst of a sixth mass extinction event. Can we even take that in? What does that mean, a mass extinction event? I mean, there is still time to avoid this, just like there's time to um, adapt to um, understanding that, that we are we are part of this climate. And so, I mean, on today's show, we have uh, two topics. We're going to be talking about, in North Mankato, uh, a botany professor, a former botany professor, is actually going to fight to keep his natural landscaping. So to a bird, a high bush cranberry tree looks like food in the winter. Birds love high bush cranberries trees. But to some people who are used to conventional landscaping and sterile monograss yards, cranberries can look messy. So they actually went to the city council and they passed an ordinance saying that this one guy can't have natural landscape in his yard. And rather than cut down his trees, he spent thousands of dollars to protect his landscape and he won in the Court of Appeals. So we're going to be talking about that. But while he won in the Court of Appeals, Minnesota Court of Appeals, he still has all these legal bills. And so some of the neighbors are railing and they've done a GoFundMe campaign. So we're going to be talking on the second half of the show about um, about that effort. Um, but joining us right now is someone who has for over 30 years been working at the intersection of economics and ecology, uh, a living economic system. And we're very pleased to have uh, Debbie uh, with Sustainable Marac. Um Org. Um, thanks, Debbie, for joining us on Food Freedom Radio. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be speaking with you. I Well, and I, I thought it was sort of funny. I, I just saw you really – saw something on LinkedIn really quickly, and I'm like, I absolutely have to talk to Debbie. So tell us a little bit about your background. So I, um, I am second-generation milkweed entrepreneur. So uh, this is a family business that I – work in. And um, when we had um, gone through a lot of different years of working with milkweed and we thought, you know what, we're doing a lot of conservation and economic development in underserved rural communities, it would make more sense to move the nonprofit activities that we're actually doing to an actual nonprofit. And so that is where we founded Sustainable Monarch in 2016. And it just gives you a lot more flexibility in doing those conservation and um, you know, economic development in rural communities. So, I mean, thinking about milkweed, not only as something that saves the butterflies, but something that we might be able to make money out of. And get our or get our resources from is a um, it, it's a fun concept, um, and it's it, I'm I'm really looking forward to digging into this. That there are some working businesses that are now using milkweed. Yes, yes. So we um, really are looking at flipping the script on, um, you know, what is productive landscape. So our goal is to ha- have profitable prairies. 
And so a lot of people look at grasslands or prairies and they think, well, that's just not doing anything, where, in fact, as you mentioned, the biodiversity loss is staggering. Um, I know in many states in the bread belt, the corn belt, um, they have eliminated over 90% of their natural prairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and is heart-wrenching, so isn't it? Reason, 90% of your prairies. I know. I mean, like, for me, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is awful. <laughs> but it is partially because they're not seeing an income source from it. Mm-hmm. So they see a solution in being able to make money from corn or soybeans or whatever it is that they're planting as a monoculture. And what we're trying to do is go in and say, actually, you have a really valuable landscape and there are plants on this landscape that can make you money. And helping and you're people not putting make money. in chemicals or water or, you know, and it, so, it just it just is natural land. So right, and so the the concept of um, working with nature. Um, so Native Americans used milkweed extensively for food and fiber and medicines. So there, right. you know, and and also um, the idea of you said a second generation milkweed um, uh, entrepreneur. People have been using milkweed in business products for some time, really. Milkweed yeah. floss? So. Um, actually, one of the most um, really interesting stories is about Boris Berkman in World War II real, um, found that the fiber from milkweed is hollow and it has this waxy coating on it. So it is um, hydrophobic. And so during World War II, over 12 million pounds of milkweed pods were collected by school children and then they filled life jackets with it. And so the motto of the day was two bags save one life. So they started working with milkweed um, in the 40s, you know, and partially the indigenous peoples, you know, they used it for a lot of different things. But, you know, they they really needed a solution to the life jacket shortage in World War II, and milkweed was the filling materials yeah, that they so, used for yeah, that. That is a really fun story. 12 million pounds of milkweed were collected by kids during the war for part of the war effort. And, you know... Yes. Well, it's a th- forgotten piece of history. <laughs> it is a forgotten piece of history. It's fun. And, yeah, I think we need to back up and talk about what's happening to the monarchs. Because I, I said I, I, I saw you on LinkedIn, and then after I saw you one time, I was like I saw and learned more about you like three times in that same day. And the moment I go to turn on the radio, I hear a story from NPR. And the story was saying about how in the 80s there were millions of monarchs, millions. Mm-hmm. And then that went yeah. down to counting – a thousand, thousands instead of millions. I mean, it's it's, it's right. heart wrenching. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, you know really the onset of um, GMO corn and soybeans, where you know, Roundup Ready, you can just go in and obliterate the biodiversity. Like in the past, corn would grow, and milkweed would be in the cornfield too, and it. It seems like it didn't actually hinder the yield for the corn that much, um, but people didn't like the look of it. And now, um, the idea of clean fields, so like barren ground, is what people want to see. 
because it looks neat and tidy, but it really hurts the pollinators. And all the other, you know, really pollinators are kind of the bottom of the food chain. So when you take out the pollinators or what they can eat because they don't eat corn, but um, all the little weeds and flowers and things that were growing between the rows have now disappeared. And so there's where you really end up with um, well, and also the it degradation was, of the soil and water. Yeah, and it also hurt the rural human communities. And I want to talk more about that because, I mean, in the 80s, you had the get big or get out. And a lot of small towns um, lost their main streets um, because of the consolidation right. that happened. And one of the things you mention on your website a lot, that the point of this is to actually preserve the country li- lifestyle and to help. You want to, One thing you want to do is end the stress of underemployment in rural America. Yeah, so you're completely correct about losing that main street. Um, We're actually working with a group in Isle, Minnesota that um, does some collections. We've been working with them for seven years, and they're finally getting to a point where they're bringing in some decent extra income for people who are out there picking milkweed like they did in World War II. Um, But really the goal is to create a contiguous flyway from Mexico to Canada so that the monarchs can have that habitat um, along the entire migratory route. So in order to do that, we need to establish you know, uses for milkweed and businesses that take um, you know, the natural renewable resource of milkweed and turn it into something valuable. And as we know, when things are valued, they're protected. Right, right. So that is that is how we look at our market-based conservation. Yeah. And um, so people can go on your website right now and buy stuff or, or get leads on things they can buy that actually uh, I can buy things that will help Monarch uh, Habitat. So tell us about some of those yeah. products. Yeah. So we have uh, – um, a cream that is called milkweed balm. We found that the oil from the plant is actually a pain reliever, which was pretty surprising to us. Um, But my father had uh, arthritic hip, and he said, oh, I put this milkweed oil on my hip, and it feels so much better. (laughs) Really? (laughs) You know, he thinks milkweed could do anything. We really didn't believe him, and then we started like asking other people, hey, you want to try this? And they're like, oh, my gosh, this really works. So it was um, we started creating milkweed balm, which is uh, is from the milkweed seed oil. And um, as we have been in business for decades, there was a time where you couldn't give milkweed seed away because no one wanted to plant milkweed, which is part of the reason the monarch population crashed, right? So... um, so we have some seed that just isn't viable for planting anymore, and that's what we press into oil. So then you know, we also have milkweed seed that we actually sell to seed companies. So a lot of the seed that's on the market are going into, like, the Department of um, Transportation or Energy um, right away are places that our seed will find homes. So usually they like to, if they're in Minnesota, they like to buy seed from Minnesota. 
So we're going to take a bit of a break, and we're coming back. We'll talk some more about sustainable Marnock and how do we create businesses that use milkweed and that way support um, living prairies and um, um, how do we have a living economic system that honors the earth. Uh, You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, uh, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone whose heart just soars every time I see a butterfly. I love butterflies. And we remember, I'm, I'm going to be almost 60, and I remember when I was a kid, you would see these butterflies like crazy. And, um, you know, millions of butterflies. And there has been a rapid, rapid decline in that. And it's directly related to how we are relating with the land. Butterflies need, they need, they need milkweed. And so, um, so describe uh, with us on the phone right now is Debbie Devaka, and she's with Sustainable Marnock. Um, so, why do butterflies or why do marnocks need um, milkweed? So, there are a lot of different pollinators, and butterflies um, specifically. They, a lot of times, they are, <clears throat> excuse me, a specialist species, as what a monarch is. So, they will only lay eggs on the milkweed leaves. And then the caterpillar grows up eating the milkweed leaves. And then um, what that does is it actually protects monarch butterflies from predators. So when you look at a monarch, it's bright orange and black, which, you know, to us, we think, oh, look how pretty and it's flying. But to the natural world, orange is a, a signature color for something that's poisonous. Yeah, and, um, and so that protects them from the predators that might go and eat them. And so you've been focused on sustainable monarch, but of course this goes beyond the monarch. It also goes to the dragonflies. It's a, a dragon tails. Um, it's about um, protecting um, land, biodiverse land, so that um, different life forms can exist. Yeah, so one of the really interesting things about milkweed is it grows best in biodiversity. So... Let's say, you know, we look at the milkweed as something that you can make really good things out of. Um, But when you try to grow it in a monoculture, like let's say corn or soybeans, it just decides, I'm not doing this. I'm not interested. And so it really needs those other grasses and forbs, which is perfect for um, saving biodiversity because – the butterflies, as they're migrating, need to have that successional blooming plants that you can see in natural landscapes, but you don't necessarily see, like even in people's yards where they go and they plant specific plants. If it's not a native plant, you know, it'll bloom for a certain amount of time. It may or may not be a good nectar source, but um, the plants that have evolved with the milkweed uh, are an important nutrition source for the adult monarchs that are flying uh, on the migratory path. So in the 30 years you've been working on this, you've um, worked on um, a lot of engagements. So working with schools, working with roadways. Now that talk a little bit about uh, roadways um, being used to create um, habitat. Yeah, so they started doing a monarch highway, which 
um, is the I-35 uh, corridor. So it goes from basically Texas up to, um, you know, the northern states in Canada. And so they recognized that there was a problem. And, you know, when you're looking at large sections of land, the pathway that's easiest and can be handled, you know, without a lot of, um, uh, I don't know. Right. So, I mean, you have all that land. When you have control of it. Yeah. And so then you can make a difference quickly. And so the other ways that these engagements like uh, Power Plus is, um, uh, tell us a little bit about Power Plus. So those are, uh, there's actually a really great group working with the um, power, the... um, Solar and wind? Yeah. Well, there's tons of pollinator habitat going into solar, for sure. But the transmission lines are one of the areas where the the power places, where there's that right-of-way. There's a lot. They used to do some things like mowing all the time or, you know, planting things that aren't native. And so EPRI um, actually put in a program where they work with power companies to have a, in the land that they control, a really good biodiverse habitat for the pollinators. That's so cool. Um, and then I want to talk more about the existing um, milkweed products because there, there are other people that are finding innovative uses because if we can find a market. Now, um, on your website, you talked about how um, having a market for a bison has really helped with habitat. Right, yeah. So, you know, at one point, the bison were almost extinct. And now as they are um, more commercialized, the bison population has bounced back. And the wonderful thing about that is bison and monarchs or even grazing cattle, uh, any grazing animals really help the monarch habitat because they uh, usually have those grasslands protected. And they'll keep the trees down. Yeah. So keeping the trees down will help the milkweed grow and all the, the um, flowering plants so um, are you optimistic about the future, uh, about um, monarchs and our, our ability to avoid the sixth mass extinction of the, on the planet? Well, I feel like we each have a part to play. And I am an optimist by nature. And my friend, Angie Moen, always says that she's an optimist, but that means she's always looking for opportunities. And she is the person that has spearheaded that effort in Isle, Minnesota. And I really feel like if we could all have a bunch of Angies running around, (laughs) we won't have a problem with this extinction at all. Like, she will fix the problem. Um, But, you know, just getting that community involvement is such a huge piece of it. And that is really why we look to partner with rural communities who have the land space and just need to be shown what you have is like a gold mine and you just need to go and pick milkweed and find something creative to do with it. Well, in in sharing this common goal, I mean, we can have we we can have both a living planet and living jobs. They're not separate <laughs> and they can't be separate, right? They're together. They can't be separate. 
yeah, it will lead to ruin if you try to have one at the expense of the other. And, you know, sometimes environmentalists are accused of not caring about the people. And so what we have is a system that is win for the community, win for the environment, win for the people who are out there working, and then, you know, just the overall um, community spirit, actually, where you are working toward a common goal and you can make a difference and you can see the difference within these communities that we work with. And it feels better. I mean, it feels better to be part of a living economic system. And so much of us right now, I think there's just so much collective anxiety and dread and negativity and anger and all of this churn. And a lot of it is if we, as we can connect um, our, our uh, connect um, being on this place, this earth with being and making resources to pay the mortgage and feed ourselves, <laughs> then everything's okay. Right. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. I am with you. Yeah, I'm with you too. So let's, let's go build yeah. it better, you know? Yes. And let's, let's, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm actually thrilled that you've been spending three decades on this. Now, give us your website and uh, tell people how they can connect and support with you. Yeah. So sustainablemonarch.org is the nonprofit. And then, as I had mentioned, we do have value added businesses. We have a business called Ogallala Comfort. And that sells luxury down comforters and pillows into the bedding market. Made and with then milkweed? The milkweed balm. That's great. And there may be a milkweed factory coming to Minneapolis. Is that a little early to say? Or there's hope? For current- it might be a little early, to, but we are working really hard with that um, community great. near Isle that yeah. uh, we're very hopeful that because it is. Yeah, the community is already involved. They're already looking toward um, doing things. They've already seen some benefit. And so in order to grow it to be a bigger uh, economic driver in the community, we're looking at putting a place there. So That's so awesome because we definitely need rural development. We need to bring back those small towns, that Main Street. Um, So, uh, Debbie, I really appreciate your time. Um, I thank you so much for joining us here on Food Freedom Radio. And uh, keep us updated. Um, I definitely want to hear when there's a milkweed plant that might be coming into Minneapolis. Imagine that. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, thank you so much, Laura. We really um, appreciate you sharing our story. All right. Well, have an awesome day. Thanks. that our love is soon to be gone on, but we can work it out. We can work it out. Let's work it out, okay? <laughs> so you're listening to Food Friend Radio, and um, joining us right now is uh, an attorney, Carl Fredericks. Friedrichs, sorry. Um, welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Carl. Thanks for having me. Okay. So tell us about the North Mankato um, homeowner who you, you, you argued a court a case in front of the Minnesota Court of Appeals. You won. But tell us about this case. Well, it began uh, before the city council, actually, on December 7th. They sought to declare his yard to be a public nuisance 
based on a rank growth of vegetation on the property. And a public hearing was scheduled for December 7th. Earlier in the summer, letters had been sent to the property owner and that he had taken steps to address the issues. And by December 7th, they decided to pass a resolution finding the property to be a public nuisance. And what made it a public nuisance? Why did they think this was a public nuisance? The resolution reads that there is a rank growth of vegetation that offers habitat for rodents and animals. The vegetation is unsightly. It's a public health concern, and it's maintained in a manner that unreasonably annoys a considerable number of members of the public, all based on the terms rank growth of vegetation, which I argued on behalf of the property owner was a vague standard that the general public is not able to identify what constitutes a rank growth. And let's talk. Let, let's talk about one of these growths of, of vegetation. So high, high, um, high bush cranberries. Now, high bush cranberries are fantastic for the ecosystem. Uh, they provide food for birds year round. And so, th- this landowner um, was a botany professor at at the College of Mankato. Correct. Right at Minnesota State University, Mankato, for years. He also has crab, apple, pear, grape, plum uh, planted in the yard. When I was up and visited, there was uh, a ground cover in the front yard, and it's still there, lamium, that is full of little flowering buds on it. And when I was there, there were dozens of bees working the, the lamium or lamium in the yard. And so, but some people did not like the cranberry bushes and the fruit trees and and the non-sterile lawn. That that bothered them in some way. Yeah, at the hearing before the city council, two of the neighbors uh, complained. One of them is two doors down one direction and the other is about two or three doors down the other direction across the street. And the neighbors uh, said they did not like the looks of the yard. The one on the same side of the street stated that she did not like looking at his yard uh, through her sunroom uh, when she sits in her sunroom. I pointed out there was no evidence of rodents or animals on the property and argued there was uh, no concern for the general public's health, Uh, but I was only able to make those comments during the public comment period of the council meeting before the council even heard the presentation from the city members. So when we appealed to the Court of Appeals, we argued three things. The ordinance is void for vagueness because rank growth of vegetation is not defined. We did not have an adequate opportunity to be heard after the council or the staff representatives presented what they wanted to present to the council, and there were no facts presented to show that there was a public health concern or a sufficient number of members of the public were unreasonably annoyed. Right, because a lot of other people, like, like um, um, one of the neighbors um, quoted in the newspapers, like, well, why mind it at all? Some some neighbors actually like this yard, right? I mean, there's, there wasn't a majority of people who um, objected to high bush cranberries and, and fruit trees. 
the neighbor directly across the street submitted uh, an affidavit stating that the yard looked different than others, but there were no more animals in the yard than anyone else's yard. Uh, he simply had more flowering plants and uh, trees in the yard than most neighbors do with their turf grass lawns. So, um, tell us, so the Court of Appeals, uh, he had a fight, though. He had a fight to protect his lawn. Um, and um, tell us about, uh, he, you, you did ultimately win in the Court of Appeals. So what did the Court of Appeals find? Well, first off, I want to point out that even at the council meeting, just before the vote on the resolution, uh, the one council member says, I'm very unhappy with this, extremely unhappy with this. Uh, rank growth of vegetation, infestation of birds, no, no, no. If we're talking about environmental concerns, none of that, none of that fits. Yet that council member still voted with the rest of the council members to find the resolution being the property being a nuisance, so we had to go to the Court of Appeals. When we went to the Court of Appeals, they decided not to make a decision on the vague argument or on the opportunity to be heard argument, and simply stated there's insufficient evidence to support the nuisance resolution. Then they went through each one of the points and said there was no evidence showing that there was a animal problem on the property. It does not support uh, a claim of rank growth. They feel a rank growth of vegetation has to be growth that is so excessive that it harms the public health in some way. So I don't know how you would... Prove I, that. I have so much I want to say on this issue, but I want to um, stay focused. Right now, there's also the um, GoFundMe campaign because um, I have a lot of empathy for this botany professor because he's aware, uh, and I started the show off with this way, he's aware that we are possibly in the sixth mass extinction of the planet. And monoculture grass is bad for birds, and all the chemicals that we're putting on, it's bad for our soil, and it, it, it's contributing to this disaster this 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 mass extinction event i don't think we can even wrap our heads or even go into our hearts as to what our species is doing to our relatives on this planet and so so here's a botany professor planting these things and 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 he's and he's doing what he can in his yard and then his neighbor said i don't like that view I mean, I would love to go up to my neighbor and say, you know, your grass really looks pretty like dull and boring and, and lifeless to me. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think we're switching these these morals. I mean, I, I, the, the, the standards around what is a good yard. I mean, Minneapolis now, you drive around, most people have diverse landscapes. Very few have monoculture landscapes. But in some communities, um, that that's sort of left over. But, but throughout all this, it, it, it seems to me like usually what you plan in your yard is your own business. I mean, that's where this really just felt like they, they took an extreme step by making a city ordinance to tell him that he has to change his landscaping from um, natural landscaping to monoculture. I believe the city is arguing that if you do not have turf grass on your property – we feel you could be creating a rank growth of vegetation if the vegetation grows excessively. However, the Court of Appeals said there is no case law out there that states that a person's property constitutes a nuisance simply because the neighbors find it unsightly, which is exactly your point. Let's have uh, more flowering and fruit trees to 
assist with the birds and the bees out there. This yard was even certified as a monarch wayfair. Right, and that's so cool. That is so awesome. Now, but it costs a lot of money to do that Court of Appeals, and that's why there's GoFundMe. So why does it cost money to go through the Court of Appeals? There's like filing fees, and it's an expensive process. Well, you have to start at the beginning level in front of the city council. A lot of the work was done even at the city council level to present the information to try to oppose uh, the adoption of the resolution in the first place. Then you have to get a transcript of that portion of the city council meeting, which costs hundreds of dollars. You have to file and pay the filing fee to the Court of Appeals, and then the attorney's fees to look up all the cases, draft a brief, uh, which was multiple pages in this case. Uh, and then you have to participate in the oral argument before the three judges before the Court of Appeals, all of which costs a significant amount of money. Now, the good news is because of the Court of Appeals vacating this resolution, the city of North Mankato has been required to reimburse the property owner for his costs of the transcript and the filing fee. But that does not account for the legal fees that were generated uh, to defend him on this matter. And I did. Uh, we're going to take a break in a little bit, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about that GoFundMe campaign. I did reach out to the the city, um, and uh, I asked the question, how much money have you been spent on this? And I haven't heard a response. So the city of North Mankato has been spending a lot of money telling somebody, you better get turf grass. <laughs> No more high bush cranberries here. This is North Mankato. We only do turf grass. <laughs> so, um, but yet if you if you have property that's an industrial area or one of the city parks, they are planting all sorts of na- native vegetation to encourage uh, birds and bees and plants and animals to be in those areas right next to residential properties. What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, thank you so much, Carl, for joining us on Food Freedom Radio. Um, We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk more about the GoFundMe campaign. I had no time to choose what I chose to do. Go easy on me. Um, that's a new song from Adele. And you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person whose heart just soars when I see a butterfly and a bee and, and part of this natural world. We're part of this natural world. But what we are doing on this natural world, it's almost so hard to take in. It really is. It's it's so hard to take in. I mean, so um, – Some people believe that we are in the sixth mass extinction event on the planet. So the planet's been around for a long time. There's been five mass extinction events, the last one 66 million years ago. And that might be what we're doing again right now. And we're doing it right now because we we don't understand – we can have a better world and and we we can have it in our own yards. But it needs – but we need to also sort of wake up to that we are interdependent. We are part of this world. And um, so in the last break, we were talking about this North Mankato um, botany professor who is probably very, very well aware. 
that we are on a mass extinction event. And he knows what's happening to the bees and he knows what's happening to the butterflies. And so for 30 years in his yard, he's been planting high bush cranberries. High bush cranberries are fantastic for birds. They provide food in the winter. They're, 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 but, but some of the neighbors thought that that was rank growth and they actually passed a city ordinance to have them do more turf grass. <laughs> and so he went and he, he's, he spent thousands of dollars and lots of aggravation and he did win at the Court of Appeals. But he still has these legal expenses. And so some of the local neighbors are rallying and they've started a GoFundMe page um, to help pay some of those costs. And joining us right now is Lucy Laurie. Hi, Lucy. Hi. Hey, so did I sum that up right? Yeah, I think so. So tell us about your involvement with this from, from well, your perspective. Well, a number of years ago, well, several years ago, I ran for mayor of North Mankato. I used to be a North Mankato employee. Um, so I've been paying attention to what's going on more closely than maybe I ever did before. And I am interested in pollinators and, you know, I've watched the Attenborough documentaries and things and it's really depressing what we're doing to the earth. And, um, so when, when Ed Borkert, um, was having these issues with the city, I felt like I needed to help jump to his defense and, um, help out with his yard. Several of us have helped out with his yard and so forth. And um, when he got into the lawsuit, uh, we knew that it was going to cost him money. And this is an elderly gentleman um, who's not in great health. Um, fixed income, you know, he was a college professor. So we thought we would help him out with the expenses for the attorney. And, and you should mention uh, yeah, I'm sorry that also this has been a tough year for him. His wife went in the nursing home. He's 80. Yes. He had back surgery. Yes. Yes. So and it I don't know. It just it it just it was too much for me to think about him trying to pay these bills too. And really he was sort of a, a hero in a way to the pollinator world. Because he stood up for what he believed was right and was almost like a test case here. And I think that you shouldn't be penalized for that financially or otherwise. And so um, several of us got to get together and set up a GoFundMe page to help pay for his legal expenses. So tell us about how that works. Well, um, as far as how you donate to yeah, it? Yeah, and as soon as I heard about it, I put $25 in. A lot of other yep. people putting even a little bit of money in, and that helps yeah. share the burden. Yeah, yeah. Any any amount is wonderful um, to have. If we could get everybody to give just a small donation and pass the word along, um, we could easily uh, reach our goal. Um, our goal is $10,000. Um and in order to get on the GoFundMe site, I can give you the web address. It's a little funky. Sure. <laughs> so if for people who have a pen and a piece of paper, <clears throat> it's HTTPS colon slash slash GoFund.me slash nine small d three six six small c six nine. Okay. Um, and the other side of that is I can just put I, – I put in North Mankato on the GoFundMe search and I got it. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, and I was going to say an easier way probably is to just type in Borkert or North Mankato. You're right. 
Yeah. And, and you get that pretty fast. Um, yep. And so, because uh, th- this actually has been a difficult process on him to have oh, the city yes. council and his neighbors say your yard's not appropriate. Oh, yes. I mean, this has been a tremendous amount of stress. The, the interesting thing is, and what really um, caught my attention was, he was so genial with the council and uh, so, like, his first um, response to a letter they sent him telling him, you know, that his yard was a nuisance. Um, he was like, oh, thank you. I'm glad you want to work with me on this, you know, whatever. And they just weren't having it. And um, so, you know, that just caused some of us who care about these things to really want to come to his aid. Yeah, and I really am glad that people did rise up and come to his aid. And, I mean, he says something, he's quoted in the newspaper, um, city lots with grass might as well be asphalt or desert. If you're a bird, it doesn't matter. There's no food, there's no water. So tell right. us about some of the things he had planted in his yard. Oh, gosh. He had elderberry. His whole front yard is lamium, which is a very short uh, in height ground cover that's actually just beautiful without flowers, but it flowered all summer long, pink, little pink and purple flowers. And there were always bees in, in it. And, you know, it was just great. He had um, elderberries, uh, the high bush cranberries. Um, I think in the past he's had sunflowers. I didn't see any this year. Um, but he's got all kinds of berry bushes and and milkweed and, uh, and he's, he's, uh, um, certified monarch way station. So, uh, so, it, and actually I'm going to be putting in a new garden. I put in a very small pollinator garden and I'm going to be expanding it next year. And so I've, I've, uh, enlisted his advice in what to put in it. <laughs> We're down to like our last minute, and I just kind of want to get into some of his emotions because I, I, I usually stick with Beatles music, but I just love that Adele song, you know, Go mm-hmm. Easy on Me, because mm-hmm. <sighs> there's so much stress out here. I mean, all this, um, uh, the COVID, all this stress that mm-hmm. we're experiencing, and then fighting over land. I mean, it just seems like, can't we just be a little easier on each other? Yeah, can't we just get along and work together instead of being at odds with one another? Yeah, and have some peace. Um, so anything else you'd like to say? Well, if uh, I, I would really encourage people to donate. Um, I And if you do, I would encourage you to click on the share button and share it with your, um, your Facebook friends or any of your social media or share it with your neighbors. Um, share it. The Just more it. people we get involved... Um, the more people will hear about high bush cranberries and, and planting yes. high bush cranberries in your yard should be legal. Yes, <laughs> it no should kidding. be legal. It should actually be very encouraged. Now, yes, no I mean, kidding. I wouldn't mind if turfscraft became illegal, <laughs> or, or yeah, for that matter, no. lawn blowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for listening you, to Food Freedom you, Radio. Um,